the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Josh Pick is the Chief Investment Advisor with Aptus Wealth Management, a state-registered investment advisory firm. This program is sponsored by Aptus Wealth Management. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell financial vehicle. This information should not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with professionals to see if any ideas expressed would fit their specific situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Securities can fluctuate and when redeemed may be more or less than when originally invested. Welcome to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. Every week, Josh will teach you ways to help manage, risk, and protect your retirement income in the new economy. The primary focus at Aptus Wealth is to provide flexible planning strategies that can efficiently achieve your long-term retirement goals. Besides every Saturday, you can also join Josh Mondays at 1230 for Money Mondays. He joins Bruce Hooley right here on 98.9 The Answer. You can always find that recording at aptuswealth.com, which is Josh's website. And to schedule an appointment to go through the Aptus Blueprint process with Josh, his phone number is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Let's talk Russia and Ukraine. Wow, Josh, you must be getting inundated with questions from clients about it. Yeah, I would say while my phone is not blowing up like it did during, let's say, the COVID uh, drop back in 2020, um, every conversation seems to be leaning towards what's happening in Russia and Ukraine and what impact will that have on you know the U.S. economy uh, and even more specifically, you know, my retirement portfolio. And um, while I I will say that we're going to talk about some economic issues today, um, none of those obviously stack up to what the Ukrainians are facing uh, against their Russian opposition today. And and I think it would behoove us to at least say, you know, our hearts are with the people in Ukraine. And we're here talking about how it's going to affect our economic uh, situation or our retirement portfolio, but they have the real fight on their hands. So uh, we're only going to talk about specifically, you know, how it affects your individual retirement portfolio today. But again, just a a travesty what's going on over there. As far as what I'm hearing, some of the questions I can't answer, you know, some of the questions that I get are, you know, do you think that uh, if Putin gets through Ukraine, he's going to go through to Poland? I, I don't have the slightest idea. I'm not a military strategist, but um, I can lend some information on what has happened historically with these types of crises. And, you know, we've had a correction already. The, yet to, the future is yet to be seen as how far it will go or if it will immediately recover. But a correction is defined by a 10% drop off of a high. And we've certainly had that already. Um, and any time uh, an individual loses 10% of their money, it's cause for panic. But ironically, it's not really that unusual. Um, On average, if you look over the last 50 years or so, there's a correction of at least 10% that occurs about every two years. Matter of fact, we we are now, you know, maybe coming off of or continuing, we don't know yet, the longest bull run in the history of the stock market. The stock market has effectively gone up since 2009. 
So we've had a 12-year at least run. And in that 12 years of the greatest time in history of the U.S. market, we've had five corrections of at least 10%. So um, it's not necessarily cause for panic, but anytime we use words like wars or invasions, obviously that is a cause for panic, but maybe not for your money. And I think it's important to remember that while these types of situations are awful, it does not immediately impact or affect the future of the companies that you're invested in. So Russia invades Ukraine. Does that mean that Coca-Cola is no longer a good company to invest in? Probably hasn't affected their balance sheet or their income statement much at all. But it will cause panic and people will sell off and it will cause gyrations in the market. But it's just that gyrations, it's not the end of days. So people who are close to retirement, that should be no cause for concern because obviously they're not putting money into stocks like they were during their working years. So that affects them the most? Well, that's a great question. I think it's, um, it's a little bit loaded, though, so I'm going to address it in two ways. We're talking about short-term volatility when you ask that question because when we're talking about getting older or to a later season of our lives into that retirement, into those retirement years, and now we're reliant upon the money that we grew over time to provide for us, short-term volatility can be not only a huge cause for concern, but can be a problem. And you have to have a structure or a plan in place to handle that. So by all means, I am not suggesting that if you're 80 years old, you should have 100% of your money in you know, blue chip stocks and just hold on and, and you'll be fine. Because that isn't necessarily true. Similarly, if you're 65 and you're retiring, and you have 100% of your money in stocks and you're withdrawing 4 or 5% a year, that is cause for concern because volatility can have an erosion effect, almost like when we hear about dollar cost averaging is putting money in slowly over time while we're accruing our funds, and that can be a good thing. Well, you could almost call it dollar cost ravaging on the backside. If you, re- if you withdraw at the wrong time, you can have this risk called sequence or return risk, which is a very fancy way of saying how much volatility is in my portfolio coupled with when I actually pull the money out can be very, very bad for me. So you have to have a structure in place and a plan to make sure that you can handle that volatility for income that you're going to need soon. But for people who are looking at timetables of 10, 20 years from now before they're going to need the money, uh, you know, patience is going to be a a very rewarding way to play this. But we can talk about other strategies on how one might ladder out the risk if they're in those income years as well. And one of those easy ways would be make sure that the money that you need for the future several years is accommodated for or you have it handled by money that is not volatile. Because here, let me give you some other stats because I think these are important. We think about how bad things could get and how bad things they already are with Russia and Ukraine. Let's think of how bad they could get. I would argue that September 11th, when we had an attack on U.S. soil, that was pretty bad. Um, I would argue that, you know, at least the way we feel it in the U.S., it's worse than what we're experiencing right now, at least on a U.S. front. And what happened? Well, the market tumbled about 12% over the following 11 days, but it recovered those losses after about a month, even though it sent the United States into a war that lasted for decades. Then let's, let's go to one that, another one that people might be familiar with, and that was the Cuban Missile Crisis back in 1962. Market lost 7% in one day, recouped those losses in four days. Let's go to a really, really bad one, and that was you know, when Pearl Harbor was bombed. So Japan attacked Pearl Harbor, and the market dropped 20% in the six months following. And it took 307 days for the market to get back to even. And then obviously we're at war for much longer after that. So my point is, 
while this short-term gyration will be potentially much more damaging than it is today, it could go on for a period of time before we recoup, but usually it's not that long. But let's say it's even worse, and it takes three or maybe even four years. Well, that means we have to have our income needs taken care of by an asset that will not be volatile for the next two to three, four years. So you brought up something and you said, well, what about, uh, you know, we, we start to ladder our risk back as we get older. So typically, historically, that's been towards bonds. Well, I want to have more money in bonds so that I don't have the volatility. Well, unfortunately, that hasn't proved to be a very effective way to do things as of late with the bond market being down 2% as a whole last year and down almost 4% a year to date. So you would have lost money there too. And what we've learned from history is during times like these, these uncertain times and times where we have sanctions and there's no mystery that we import a lot of things from both the Ukraine and Russia. And, you know, the Ukraine is very instrumental in, you know, food around the world. It's instrumental in uh, natural resources around the world. And so is Russia. What that will cause is an inflationary time, and we're seeing it. And my concern is this, and I'm adding a lot of stuff together, so please you know, ask me questions to elaborate on if I'm, if I'm kind of covering too many things at once. But what I'm scared of is this. The United States is in an inflationary time. The Fed has already said it's going to raise interest rates. But now it looks like the cost of oil and the cost of food, the cost of what we call real assets or commodities, are going to go up as a result of this situation. Well, will the Fed actually raise interest rates to curtail the inflationary pressures? If it doesn't, then it will be easier on the market to absorb the supply chain issue. If it does, it could curtail inflation but exacerbate the supply chain issue. Both of those things point towards more and more uncertainty, and raising interest rates points towards being able to or needing the necessity for managing a bond portfolio differently than has been done for the last 30 or 40 years because as interest rates go up, bonds go down. I know that was a lot to take in, Diane, but my point is over the coming years, you need to have a plan to handle your income that is not affected by market volatility. You better have some guaranteed money and you need to have a plan to accommodate for inflation through active management and not just putting money in stuff like bonds and hoping that history repeats itself because it doesn't look like it's going to. Okay. And for people, so gas is increasing, uh, food can be increasing. Is the message here though, when it comes to investing, stay the course, it's always been cyclical. It always will be. And this is just another downturn in the market that we're going to recover from. I think that's the overwhelming message. And I think by overwhelming, I mean, that's the 10 year message. The 10-year message is cooler heads will prevail. There has been things that happened repetitiously time and time again. Two years from now, there will be another crisis. In three, four years, five years from now, there'll be another one. I don't know what they're going to be, but there will be there. There will always be crisis. But to just simply say, hold the course forever and everything will be great is not a plan either. So if you're talking about long-term buy and hold stock market investments, then yes, just hang tight. But that doesn't necessarily get the job done when we're talking about a retirement income portfolio. If we've learned one thing, and I know I've quoted this before, it's that people don't necessarily realize what the market actually does because everything that we just got done saying about staying the course and cooler heads will prevail doesn't always work because the fact of the matter is it's emotional. Watching your portfolio go from a million to 700,000 in a very short period of time 
is a very difficult situation. Some people can tolerate that, but time has proven that many cannot. So you have to figure out a way to ladder out that risk to make it more palatable. For example, there was a fund called the Fidelity Magellan Fund. It was run by a guy named Peter Lynch. He ran that fund for approximately 12 years. In that 12-year period, the average annual rate of return was 29%. Now, I'm sure everybody listening would go, man, if I could get 29% for 12 years, life would be good. And you're absolutely right. That is an incredible rate of return. One that I'm not sure has been replicated over that duration of time. But then they did an investigation, and by investigation, I don't mean any, any wrongdoing by the Fidelity Magellan Fund. What I mean is they did a survey or a study to see what did the average investor get in that same fund, and it was less than 4%. What it showed us was the level of volatility that that fund produced wasn't palatable for people. And if there's one thing that's worse than not being in the market at all, it's getting in and getting out at the wrong time. So a proper plan should have several elements. Let me cover some of those. One, you need to have emergency money. Everybody knows that. We need to have the oh no fund. The second fund should handle your income if you're retired. And that cannot be invested the same way as your growth fund. So we invest in a way that provides a safe, predictable, and replicatable amount of income for a period of time. And that period of time might be three to five years. Then we have our five to 10 year money. Again, it, sometimes it takes a long window of time to make adequate money in the stock market. So five to 10 years is kind of tap dancing on the minefield a little bit. You need to make sure that you have that section of money covered in a way that's not as volatile as well. So we have that separate asset class or separate investment, if you will. But then with the 10 and longer year money, this is the buy and hold or buying good companies and just hanging on to them forever. That is the type of money that you just need to leave alone and let it take its course. But that does not mean that I'm telling you, you should not have these other elements of money to make you feel comfortable and make you be able to stand the course and be able to meet your objectives. To schedule an appointment to go through the Aptus Blueprint process with Josh, his phone number is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. And you can always join Josh as he talks retirement with Bruce Hooley every Monday at 1230 p.m. right here on 98.9 The Answer. You can always find the recording at aptuswealth.com, which is Josh's website. More with Josh Pick when we come back. If you're concerned about the market and you want to learn new strategies to manage retirement risks, call our office to learn more about the Aptus Retirement Blueprint today at 614-364-7300. There's no cost or obligation, but space fills fast. Give us a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. To create a successful retirement plan in today's economy, it takes a customized, solutions-based approach. At Aptus Wealth Management, founder Josh Pick calls it the Aptus Blueprint, and it's focused on managing risk instead of chasing returns. If you're working with another advisor or simply want a second opinion, put his team to work for you. To schedule a complimentary consultation to learn more about the Aptus Blueprint process, contact Josh at 614-364-7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. There is no cost or obligation, but space is limited. To start your plan, call 614-364-7300. 7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. Thanks for listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your complimentary customized planning session, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300.
Welcome back to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your own planning session and to learn new strategies to manage risk, call Josh at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Josh, before the break, we were talking about the uh, political events happening in the world, and you were talking about the effect of the Fed Fed's raising interest rates. Can you clarify that a little bit for me? So the Fed needs to raise interest rates in order to battle inflation? Yeah. So I'm going to oversimplify this a little bit, but essentially the Fed has a bunch of different tools in its toolkit that it can use to try and boost the economy or lessen inflation as much as possible. And one of those tools is it can raise interest rates. And by raising interest rates, if you think about it, if you borrow money and it's really, if money's really cheap, well, then it makes money more accessible. More people borrow money, and that in turn adds more money into the economy through borrowing. The other way that they can slow that is if they raise interest rates, it makes money more difficult to borrow. We call it constricting or um, tightening money supply. And that simply occurs by raising interest rates. And if you think back, to the 80s, when inflation really careened out of control. You know, back in the 80s, inflation got all the way up to almost 15%, which was, you know, the highest in our history. But we had a, a guy in the Fed at the time named Volcker. And Chairman Volcker raised interest rates at one point all the way up to almost 20%, if I recall correctly. And the reason he was doing that was he was trying to slow down that raising, in, that raising inflationary environment. And one of the problems that you encounter and why we would want to do that, because one of the arguments is, well, why do we care about inflation as long as, you know, everything else is going okay, then inflation's tolerable, meaning that if inflation's 10%, but my wages are going up by 12% and CDs are paying 12% and everything else is going up faster than inflation, then we don't care. But to help boost the economy, the Fed can do the exact opposite where they lower interest rates. So if you remember back when COVID kicked off, uh, although we had the lowest interest rates in the history of our country, arguably, we lowered interest rates even more. Well, that makes government borrowing cheaper for the government because interest rates affect what they have to pay on their own treasuries, and it loosens money supply. So now we're at this point where we have interest rates that are very, very low. Go to the bank. What can you get on a CD? What, maybe 1%? But yet inflation is arguably over 7% right now. So real interest rates were your real rate of return, your real ability to combat inflation on a risk-free basis is very, very minimal. Meaning you put your money in the bank and you know you just want to keep up with inflation and you're not even treading water. You're sinking. You're losing your purchasing power by having it in the bank. Raising interest rates will help catch up to that where you're not, you're not sinking anymore. You're treading water and it will bring the inflationary environment down. But the problem in doing so is it has a negative impact potentially on the growth of the U.S. economy and the stock market. So now let's insert Ukraine and Russia. Well, now we have gas prices because of supply chain issues going up. If we simultaneously raise interest rates, well, that will tighten the money supply. It will exacerbate the problem because the economy won't grow as fast and the impact of those gas prices will be even worse to the average consumer. So the Fed may be hesitant to do the raises that it had promised to us before, and now you're kind of backed into a corner. So it's something that we really need to watch. I would say that the, you know, the short term, by short term I mean the next 6 to 12 months of what the U.S. economy uh, looks like, is going to be hinged on those two things. I hate to say it, but it's going to be hinged large in part on what the Fed does, and it's going to be hedged large in part on what 
you know, Putin does. That will not be the long term, just the short term. What stocks usually, and I hate to ask this question because it sounds kind of callous, but what stocks flourish at a time of war? Yeah. So historically speaking, we can look back through time and say, you know, what has done well during other periods of war? Typically, hard assets like real estate, commodities, and quite frankly, stocks, but value-based stocks tend to do well during periods of war. And it stands to reason when you think about it. If, if the prices of, of uh, commodities are going up and you're invested in those commodities, obviously the, you're the benefactor of that inflationary environment. If you own real estate and their lower interest rates are incredibly low that you, for you to buy the real estate and then real estate prices go up, but you're locked into a 30-year fixed mortgage, obviously that's a good scenario to be in, right? Um, but when it comes to stocks, value-based stocks historically have produced very good returns during very volatile times. For example, uh, if you're, if you're a, a pop drinker or, or a soda drinker, depending on what part of the country you're in, but if you like Coca-Cola and Coca-Cola is doing just fine now, if they raise the price of one can of pop by a penny, it would not stop you from going and buying Coca-Cola. But the overall impact of their bottom line with the sheer volume of cans of pop that they sell, I bet it's tens of millions of dollars per day extra off of an increase of one penny. So that type of value-based dividend stock has the ability to weather storms like this. However, growth stocks, historically speaking, have been much more volatile during times of war. So, you know, think of all the ones that were the big flyers last year. Now, I'm not saying that these aren't going to fare well, but historically, you know, the Netflix, the Netflix and the, the, the higher flyers, the, the Teslas of the world, a little different story there because of the infrastructure bill if it goes through and electric energy being more and more prevalent, it might be able to weather that storm. But typically, the growth-esque companies, the NASDAQ companies, don't fare as well during volatile times. You had mentioned that we, get, uh, we do a lot of trade with Russia and the Ukraine. Are there other countries that we can get the same products from? You know, for example, with oil... Um, and in Canada, the pipeline keeps getting voted down. So there's enough oil in Canada to help the United States. Canada doesn't have refineries. I mean, so there's that issue with oil that could be worked out like that. But we promise. Yeah, it does the big the question countries. why we shut it down to begin with, right? And that's a that's a political conversation. But you're absolutely right. I mean, we're going to have to investigate other avenues. So right now, if I was going to guess or hypothesize on where we're at. I think we're, we're waiting to see what the sanctions do and waiting to see if it kind of fizzles out. But if it doesn't, we're going to have to get creative in finding resources in other countries and continuing to add more and more stress to the economy of Russia. Uh, but again, now we're getting into kind of ge geopolitical strategy, uh, which I'm not qualified to chat about. But uh, we can certainly get those resources from other locations, but it's not as easy as flipping a switch. You know, it involves a little bit of work to get that get that stuff out of the ground, right? But a lot of the times we're doing trade just to help the other country. For sure. Yeah. And, and the one downside here or the risks, I would say, is, you know, what alliances will be formed based upon this? At least on the onset here, it looks like, you know, Russia's kind of acting alone. Um, but that does not mean that it will continue to act alone. So we'll see kind of where this all goes. It's, it's obviously unfolding. You can say a lot about... Uh, Putin, but you, you can't say he's stupid. So we'll see kind of where it goes. Uh, I hope that it just fizzles out and the, the impacts that we're making through sanctions, et cetera, uh, take their toll, that we can go back to uh, business as usual. But 
I am cautiously optimistic. All right. This is the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your own planning session and to learn new strategies to manage risk, call Josh at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Let's talk about the impact. We talked a little bit about inflation, but let's add the other two eyes, infrastructure and interest rates, and, and what kind of impact they have on retirement plans. Yeah, well, the interest rate issue, I think I alluded to a little bit, but the challenge is going to be uh, how do we establish a yield to combat inflation while limiting risk in our own portfolio? And and everybody has a desire to limit risk as much as they can, particularly when they're reliant upon their income. And I think, you know, one of the ways that's going to change things is for the last couple of decades, well, the last decade or so, you know, passive investing has been a pretty good strategy. And passive means that you invest in indexes. So, you know, think Vanguard. If you, I'm sure if you look at your 401k statement uh, and you look at, you know, most of the, a lot of the choices are going to be index funds. They're going to be the S&P 500, the Barclays Aggregate Bond Index, et cetera. Um, I think as we face more and more turbulent times, particularly as it relates to interest rates and those bond funds, actively managed portfolios will start to shine more and more. You have to start taking different approaches by investing in things like treasury inflation protected securities or TIPS. Real assets like commodities, shorter duration bonds, so you don't get caught in an interest rate trap. So interest rates are certainly going to have an effect on people's retirement portfolios in the safe money category as as much, I would argue, as inflation is going to have a negative impact. So we have to know how to play that game, and you have to uh, you know, probably go out and seek some professional advice on that one. Um, as far as infrastructure, you know, if, if the infrastructure... Uh, bills go through or bill goes through, it might be a great time to look for investment opportunities. Now, some of that, as you know, with the market is already being kind of speculated upon people thinking it's going to go through to what degree. And, you know, can I hop on that train and, and make a quick return? For example, you know, if you think John Deere or any of these things that, that make big trucks, you know, Caterpillar, they would benefit from an infrastructure bill, right? So people would say, I'm going to go buy Caterpillar because if infrastructure bill goes through, then I could profit from that. Well, some of that's already been built into the price of Caterpillar, but that does not mean that if the government uh, spends, you know, a trillion plus dollars on infrastructure, that there will not be opportunities that present themselves from an investment front in infrastructure. What I would not do, though, is say, I'm going to make a sector bet on infrastructure and shift 50% of my portfolio over there because somehow it's going to be safer. It's not necessarily going to be safer. I I think what I'm really pointing to here is in times of volatility, there's two choices that can be made. One choice that historically has been made is people, unfortunately, and I'm not talking to anybody listening today, of course, but people make some unwise decisions. That volatility is scary. They think with their emotions, they don't have a solid plan in place, and they don't necessarily understand why they're invested where they are. They just heard that that's where they should be. Well, that lack of a plan and lack of an understanding can make you make irrational decisions that can hurt you. And again, there's nothing worse than not being in the market at all other than being in the market and getting out at the worst time and getting in at the worst time and not having the discipline to stay. So I think as we look back five years from now in the time today, you will see that having professional money management, both in the way of fixed investments and in your stock investments, will pay dividends, I guess pun intended, for years to come by helping you combat that inflationary time that was upon you during that time. But again, hindsight's 2020, but I think it'll prove very, very factual 
614-364-7300 is Josh's number. More with Josh Pick when we come back. We'll be back with more at the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick at 98.9 The Answer. Thanks for listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your complimentary customized planning session, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. This is the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your own planning session and to learn new strategies to manage risk, call Josh at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Josh, remote work, it is common for a lot of people in the past few years because of COVID. How can that affect tax season? Well, there's certainly been a lot of moving. You know, I mean, if you look at the outflows of particularly a couple of states, it seems like for the first time in those states' history, their outflows are greater than their inflows of population. So, and COVID's been a direct contributor to that. Obviously, most people have the ability to work remotely. Um, but you're right, it does cause some problems. There's some pros and cons. Um, and, and some of those pros would be, well, now you have the ability potentially to go work in a state like Florida, where there's no state income tax whatsoever. Uh, so you can put yourself potentially in a better tax scenario. But where some problems can kind of come into play is people are moving without doing a lot of thought or investigating on what those scenarios look like. So you might move to a city that has a city income tax of 2 or 3%, and you didn't have that where you were before. So you, you move to a city, and actually you kind of got a pay cut of 2 or 3% without really knowing that that was coming. Or people are moving to areas that have higher costs of living. Um, but the exact opposite can happen. So you can get a you know New York City salary but live in, a, in an Ohio where it's cheaper to live. So there's, there's definitely pros and cons along the way. I think from a tax perspective where it can get a little bit confusing is for those people who kind of been bouncing around a little bit. And you have kind of these scenarios where you can owe taxes in multiple states. You can get in these kind of tug-of-war states where, I mean, and what that means is, you know, just because I live here and I live here, I actually have to kind of pay a double tax. Not to mention the fact that, obviously, your tax preparation is probably going to get a little more expensive when you have a lot more forms. Um, but the, the real one that I want to caution people to is if Social Security is a big piece of your income, certain states tax on Social Security and certain states do not. For example, Ohio does not tax on Social Security income, but you could move to another state that has a, let's say, a 5% state income tax, and just by moving there, you effectively took a 5% pay cut, and you weren't even working. So it's not like, you know, this is on earned income. This was on your passive income in the form of Social Security. So I think the takeaway here in, in short form is, Make sure that you do investigating and you have turned over every stone before you move because the last thing you want to have happen is spend all that money moving, uh, realtor costs, all that kind of stuff if you had to sell a home, and then you get there just to find out that it wasn't quite as good a deal as you thought it was. Well, let's say with the remote working, so you get paid by a company that's in New York. They pay you on the New York's income tax, don't they? Yeah, here's where it gets a little bit tricky. See, certain ta certain states, and, and again, full disclosure, I'm not a tax pro. I highly recommend that you consult your tax professional when it comes to you know multiple state income scenarios. But let's say, for example, I'm working for a company in New York, and that company is domiciled in New York. I could pay New York state taxes, but I live in Ohio. So I've earned income that I report in Ohio. 
Well, it's going to be dependent upon, does Ohio recognize the fact that you paid taxes in New York and say, that's all that matters? Or do you have these tug-of-war states where they're battling back and forth and you end up having to pay more than just the New York taxes because you have to pay the, and this is not true of Ohio, by the way, but you have to also pay some state income taxes in Ohio. It can get very, very squirrely and expensive. So the point, the point is, make sure you look into this. Talk to somebody before you make that leap. But at the same time, at the end of the day, you need to go where it makes you happy. So do the investigating, but then by all means, uh, if you have the ability to move out of a state that you don't particularly like for whatever reason, whether it's weather or cost of living or uh, you can get more space or live closer to the ocean, it could be a fantastic time for you to make that leap. Um, even if you end up changing jobs and you get there, at least you have a job when you land initially. So uh, I think it's, it's fantastic. I'm glad people have the opportunity. It just can come back to bite you if you don't do the research ahead of time. This is the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your own planning session and to learn new strategies to manage risk, call Josh at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Josh, how we can retire is obviously a huge question, but let's talk about the importance of when to retire and where. Yeah, so we talked a little bit about where and how big of an impact that can have if you don't investigate ahead of time. But, you know, we did talk just briefly on some of the benefits, but there are some huge benefits to potentially moving when you retire. So the where could be, uh, one, where am I happiest, but can I lower my cost of living? So, for example, let's say you lived in New York City or, or California in, in one of the, you know, L.A. or wherever it might be. And, you know, your home is a million dollars and you could get the equivalent home somewhere else in the country for $300,000. Well, if you owned that home, whether you're making payments or you just flat out get the money because you owned it outright, that can obviously make a significant swing in your ability to retire. And we're seeing a lot of that happen between those two particular states, for example. Um, higher cost of living. You know, it might cost you an extra $1,000 or $2,000 a month to live in a certain place more than living in another place. So oftentimes, and if you have read lots of articles, you've seen this happen where, you know, does it make sense to retire outside of the country because we can live so much cheaper in other areas of the world? Well, the same thing is true here in the United States. Uh, you know, it's cheaper to live in Ohio than it is to live in Manhattan. It just is. So, you know, having that researcher looking at it, and we talked briefly, too, about Social Security and how it's taxed. Just getting an extra three, four, five, maybe 10% in your Social Security just because it's not taxed by moving to a different state can be a huge dramatic swing. The when is also incredibly um, important because how much, let's just use Social Security as an example. When you collect your Social Security can make a dramatic difference because Social Security goes up every year that you defer collecting it. So, you know, when you retire can have a dra dramatic impact on your pension, Social Security, how much money you have. Where you retire can have a dramatic impact on your cost of living and your tax scenario, not to mention the fact that then there's this intangible. And that is, so now I have the where and the when, but how much is it going to cost me to get to the where? Because when I move, I have the cost of moving, I have the cost of selling a home, and then I have the cost of acquiring a new home. Now, let's say that it's a lateral move. I'm selling a $300,000 house and buying a $300,000 house. It's certainly going to cost me a lot of money still to make that transition between the sale and the move. So, you know, you need to equate, you need to include that in there because there is just inherent erosion of money simply by making the move. Again, at the end of the day, 
You should base your decision on how you feel and where you'd be happiest in retirement. And you should do the math to make sure you can get there. All of this, this whole conversation we're having is simply about not being surprised. Retirement should be about, I've already done all the hard work and now I don't have to do any of the hard work anymore. You would hate to not do just a little bit of the hard work ahead of time to find out that you got to do a lot of work because something caught you that you weren't expecting. So, you know, that's our job. We make sure that we turn over all those stones for you and make sure you got all your ducks in a row. Josh's number is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. And this is the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. So a lot of people moved from California to Texas and um, that aren't retired, but let's say for people in retirement, but don't, they're just looking at the financial aspect. They're not looking at the quality of life. I mean, that's kind of a big shock. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to speak to what people moved for. I mean, they could have moved for a myriad of things. Uh, One would be the financial aspect. Maybe it's, uh, you know, they feel better because they could get more property or maybe there's a political element to it or, uh, you know, COVID, obviously the restrictions were different uh, from state to state, but you're absolutely right. I mean, you shouldn't look at this purely as a as a political or as a, not a political, you shouldn't view this purely as an economic thing. You shouldn't view it purely as dollars and cents. There's a reason why California, for example, they call it the, they jokingly call it the sunshine tax, right? It's more expensive to live there, but that's because the sun shines, you know, 300 and some odd days a year, which we certainly can't say in Ohio as it's, you know, for the most part, all winter, it's pretty gray. So you need to make that decision as to what a happy retirement looks like for you. When are you, where are you going to be happiest? And that goes all the way, Diane, down to, what do you like to do? Does it, it might be less expensive to live in XYZ place, but if you like to golf and they don't have golf courses and the weather's terrible, I don't care how less expensive it is. You're not going to be able to do what you want to do. And that applies to a bunch of different things. Golf just being one example, but um, so do your investigating ahead of time and don't just go, I can do this cheaper here. And you suggest that people actually during their working years take a long vacation, and that could include going to different places to see if they would like that. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think I've heard the concept talking talking actually about many, um, many retirements, and I always thought that sounded very romantic. You know, how cool would it be if we could take off a month here, a month there? And the reality is most of us can't do that. But the concept was to take that month to be able to investigate places, see what makes you happy, see if retirement's even for you, and see if you like the place. Now, that was not possible because most people just can't, you know, pull up stakes and go. But now with remote work, you actually have the ability to do that while working. So you could theoretically, even though, again, you need to look at that, which we just talked about from a tax perspective, but you could go live in Florida for a month, potentially, depending upon your job, work there for a month, rent a place for a month and see if it is for you. And you can do that long before you actually retire. So if you have that availability and the resources to do it, Uh, now is a very unusual time in our history where you actually can do it. And have the conversation with your spouse. Your idea of retirement, it might be a completely different picture than what your spouse or other half has in their mind. uh, uh, Being married, I highly recommend you uh, discuss all decisions that involve you moving or big financial decisions with your spouse. But yeah, I mean, I think now it's also, at least in my household. So let's talk about my household. I'm the dreamer. Uh, I always have, you know, all these crazy ideas. My wife's just pretty happy, uh, which, you know, I, I love her level of, although she's driven, her level of contentment is, makes me jealous, but I'm a dreamer. So I always have all these ideas. It might, if you're in that scenario, it might be an opportunity where you go, I know my, my spouse, my husband has this idea and it's a terrible idea, but he needs to figure it out for himself. 
So now that we're able to travel, I don't have to wait until he makes this crazy cockamamie idea where he makes us move, pick up stakes, go away from our grandkids, whatever. We'll just go live there for a month uh, because he can do that while he's still working so he can get out of his system or her system, right? So, you know, you definitely need to get on the same page. But at the same time, again, we have this very unique period in time that hasn't occurred since I've been in the business where you have the ability to, to stretch your wings a little bit and uh, travel around if your employer allows it. For sure. To schedule an appointment to go through the Aptis Blueprint process, Josh's phone number is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. And you can always join Josh as he talks retirement with Bruce Hooley. That happens at 1230 p.m. every Monday right here on 98.9 The Answer. You can always find the recording at aptiswealth.com. More with Josh Pick when we come back. We'll be back with more at the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick at 98.9 The Answer. To create a successful retirement plan in today's economy, it takes a customized, solutions-based approach. At Aptus Wealth Management, founder Josh Pick calls it the Aptus Blueprint, and it's focused on managing risk instead of chasing returns. If you're working with another advisor or simply want a second opinion, put his team to work for you. To schedule a complimentary consultation to learn more about the Aptus Blueprint process, contact Josh at 614-364-7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. There is no cost or obligation, but space is limited. To start your plan, call 614-364-7300. 7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. Thanks for listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your complimentary customized planning session, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Welcome back to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your own planning session and to learn new strategies to manage risk, call Josh at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Josh, what role can annuities and reverse mortgages have together in a retirement plan? I think that's a fantastic question. And I think we need to talk more about reverse mortgages, quite frankly. Um, You know, we talk all the time about, you know, know, if you have a million dollars and you have a half million dollars and we throw around these numbers, but the reality is for a lot of people, you know, their home is their biggest asset. And there's a lot of pride in having that home paid off because now I don't have that payment. And that's fantastic. And that certainly lowers your monthly outlay. If I don't have a house payment and all I have to do is pay the taxes, well, then my monthly requirement for income goes down. So I'm in a better position for retirement. And if I have to draw out less money, that means I pay less in taxes. And this is all great. However, there are definitely, particularly now as the housing market has boomed, there's a lot of people that have a lot of money tied up in their house and without some sort of outside source beyond what they have saved up in retirement accounts, they're not going to be able to comfortably comfortably retire. So they have two choices. Do I continue working even though I don't want to? Or is there a way that I can use this equity in my home? And people are very nervous. They have a lot of trepidation over uh, using the equity in their home for a bunch of reasons. But the biggest reason is there used to be these things called reverse mortgages, and it was kind of the Wild West, and they weren't all created equal, and they were you know, oftentimes called predatory lending and all these terrible things. But that has changed. Reverse mortgages, which are now called Heckam loans, have been heavily regulated, and they can be a great resource for people to retire with. Now, also note, I don't have a dog in this fight. I I don't make any money off of Heckam loans, so I'm not suggesting you do these because somehow I get paid on the back end for recommending that people do them. I just think that it's a very viable option for folks. 
what you do is let's say that you have a $500,000 house, which is not that uncommon in Ohio with the record appreciations that we've had in homes since COVID. So you have a $500,000 house and that house is paid off and you're 65 or 70 years old and you're looking down the barrel of this inflationary gun going, I'm good right now, but what if inflation continues? I'm going to have to really buckle down and change my life. You could take out some equity in your home via Heckam loan, never pay that loan back, continue to live in your home for the rest of your life, and it can never be taken away from you regardless of what happens, and turn that money that you took out in the way of a Heckam loan into income via the use of annuity. So you take a $250,000 Heckam loan, you can do that in a lump sum or over time, and you could theoretically put that in an annuity contract that pays out for the rest of your life. So you've taken that $250,000 in equity that you only cared about because you didn't want a payment on it, and you only cared about it because you didn't want to get kicked out of your house. And you don't necessarily, while you want money to go to your kids or your beneficiaries, you come first, and then what's left they get. You could turn that money into income in the form of a pension stream for the rest of your life. And that could be a perfect scenario. We're actually seeing a lot of people taking Heckam loans out that are in great financial shape. They just say, you know, why wouldn't I do this to, I could take a Heckam loan to go buy a second property. Interest rates are incredibly low. Now I have two houses instead of one, but I don't have to make payments on either one of them because I leveraged the equity in one for the other. Or I'm taking this money out to generate more money because you know what? It's great that I get to leave these money to my kids, but I would rather buy my grandkids stuff or take my kids on vacations and have fun with them so that I can enjoy the remainder of my life with them rather than them getting to spend what's left over of my money when I'm dead. There's a myriad of reasons beyond just financial need where a Heckam loan may make sense, but certainly for those people who cannot fiscally retire without some outside help, a Heckam loan Use, using that to fund an annuity can be a great option. And there's no chance of you using all the equity in your home and then living longer and running into problems. No, none at all. And the reason for that is, and let's just talk frankly about it, why would a bank be willing to do this? Because, you know, if you go to a bank, they say, we'll give you a 30-year fixed mortgage, and we expect it to be paid off in 30 years. Well, the reality is people refinance all the time, and very few people actually pay off their home. But that's the general idea. On a Heckam loan, you can't get one unless you're of a certain age, and at 65 years old, your life expectancy is, you know, let's just call it 20 years. So that's actually a short-term loan for a bank. The interest accrues that's owed to the bank, but at some point, they will get their money back in the form of your house being sold. Now, one of the concerns that people have is, well, if, if I die and, uh, you know, the bank gets to keep my whole house. No, what happens is you have a $500,000 house, you take a $250,000 loan, that $250,000 loan is accruing, and let's say over the next 20 years, it grows all the way up to, now it's worth $500,000. So the two fifty dollars is now a $500,000 debt, but over 20 years, is it reasonable to assume that your house might grow to $750,000 or maybe even a million dollars? So then your beneficiaries sell the house, they pay off, the, now their house is worth a million, they, sell, they pay off the $500,000 loan, and they still got $500,000. So you're not giving up your house to the bank. You're just taking a lien out on the house to be paid at your death. 
Okay. This is the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your own planning session and to learn new strategies to manage risk, call Josh. His phone number is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Josh, when we see mortgage rates rising or falling, are there is there something we should be doing or just sit back and, and let that fluctuate as well? Yeah, I mean, when interest rates go down, you should always at least investigate the idea of refinancing, right? I mean, if if you have a 5% mortgage, or let's think back to, you know, 20 years ago, people had 6 7% mortgages. Um, go back to the 80s and people had, you know, mortgages up into the high teens. And now interest rates are really, really low. Well, it's a good time to at least investigate investigating refinancing. But there are some challenges with refinancing. One, you have closing costs. So if, if your bank calls you and says you're currently paying three and a half and you should refinance down to 325, you'll save a quarter. That's only part of the story. The other part of the story is where's my break even? And my break even is I'm going to have to pay money so that commissions are paid to the bank. There's closing costs, there's filing fees, there's appraisals that need to be done, uh, you know, title insurance, all sort of things need to go into this refi. And maybe that's $5,000. Okay, so I'm saving you know, $100 a month in, in uh, interest payments that are going towards my principal. But I have to, you know, if it's 100 bucks a month, that's 1200 bucks a year. And it paid, it cost me $5,000 to do it. I got to live in the house for over four years before I even break even on this deal. Now, it might still very much make sense to do. You just have to know how long you're going to, uh, you know, you plan on living in the home and where that break even point is. The other thing that y- you kind of caution with people, and, and you can see this sometimes, is people will get in the refinance game. They'll just keep refinancing and rolling more and more debt into their refinance. And while that can be a great option, you know, somebody has credit card debt and they're paying high interest rates, and then they roll it into their mortgage because their property appreciated, and they go, well, I'd better, you know, it's better to pay 100 bucks a month on the refi at 3% interest than it is to pay my $1,000 a month credit card. And I can't argue with that. Um, sometimes that constant roll forward doesn't teach people lessons to maybe not continue to outlive their life, their income by you putting all the money on credit cards. So, you know, refinancing can be a great option. It can certainly pay off your house quicker. It can lower your interest rate, it can lower your payment. It can do a lot of great things, but it can also be a safety net that is abused. And it can also be a product that is sold that is not to your benefit. So make sure you do the math, give us a call, we'll walk you through it and make sure that you're making a, a good decision. And when people call you, Josh, and they're, let's say they don't have a financial advisor or they have a different one and they just kind of want to see where they're at and have you look at it. You have the Aptus blueprint process. So let's talk about that. Yeah. So whether you're working with somebody now or you've never worked with anybody before, you're just getting started in this process regardless, or you're 15 minutes away from wanting to retire, the process is going to be the same. In meeting number one, we are going to find out as much as we can about you. Everybody's different. Every situation is unique. We want to find out what are your goals and what have you done up to this point to try and achieve those goals or in some instances, try and prevent them. You know, I mean, where, where are you sitting in the way of, of uh, you know, assets, resources and liabilities? You know, have you racked up all that credit card debt? Then meeting number two, we will show you a plan or a financial analysis that shows you is your arrow going to hit the target if you continue to do what you're doing? So you're saving 3% into your 401k. And that's not going to get you there. Or you've been maxing out your 401k forever. And quite frankly, you're ahead of schedule. We are simply going to shine a mirror on your situation and show you where the risks may lie and what the future looks like. Meeting number three, we call it the blueprint meeting. This is really where the rubber meets the road. And we say, 
these are the changes that you need to make to achieve your objectives, or these are the changes that you can make to improve your situation, whether that's lower taxes, prevent uh, you know, catastrophic failure plan in the event that one of your spouses passes away, or any of those unforeseen things. We're going to stress test it, tell you how to fix it. And then in meeting number four, not until meeting number four, do we decide if this is a good fit for both of us? Are you a good client? Uh, and can we provide what you're looking for? And at that point, uh, you know, we solidify that relationship and, and we'll show how it would work moving forward. Where, Josh, do you find that your clients learn about investing and saving? They certainly don't teach it in school. So is the onus on, yeah. on to parents and grandparents to teach the young generation the importance of investing and protecting their assets? Well, I've been very fortunate that I have quite a few clients that are very astute. And, you know, they've learned through, you know, just analytical thought, a lot of research, kind of sifting through good data versus bad data versus hearing people say things versus, you know, actual textbook type material, theoretical versus reality. But the fact of the matter is that's what all of the information out on the Internet for the most part is. You need a good decipher. You need a good a good filter for what am I reading that is factual versus what am I reading that's just trying to sell me something versus what is anecdotal that I just heard from a from an uncle or, or a person in the elevator. Um, and unfortunately, uh, some of the questions that I get are just that. There's a lot of anecdotal information out there that I heard from, I heard from, I heard from. And by the time it comes to me, I, I don't even understand what the question is. Hey, I heard that uh, if you don't uh, stand on one leg, your social security goes away. I mean, I, I'm, being, I'm exaggerating, but it's questions almost as similar to that. And I don't know, maybe it was just a game of telephone before it got to me, but I don't even know what the question is. But I don't know where they got the information. So you either have a natural inclination to pick up things related to math and finance very easily, while at the same time having a good filter against what is nonsense. Or, quite frankly, Diane, it's an uphill battle, and you need to work with somebody that's, that's better at it than you are. Um, I'm not good at science. I'm good at math, and I'm good at finance. So when it comes to you know medical care, I go to a doctor. I mean, it just makes sense, right? I, I don't know how to treat uh, my own ailments. Um, and the same is, is true for others. You know, when it, when it comes to finance, they, they could certainly benefit in a lot of ways from working with a pro. Besides this show, every weekend you can catch us here at the same time, same place. You can also join Josh every Monday. This happens at 1230. He joins Bruce Hooley for Money Mondays right here on 98.9 The Answer. And you can always find that recording at Josh's website. It is aptuswealth.com. That's spelled A-P-T-U-S, the word wealth, dot com. And to schedule an appointment to go through the Aptus Blueprint process, what we were just talking about, the Aptus office phone number is 614-364-7300. That is 614-364-7300. And again, Josh's website is aptuswealth.com. You're welcome to use both of those to schedule an appointment for the Aptus Blueprint process. That's it for this week. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll be back next week at the same time and same place. You've been listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint radio show with host Josh Pick. Josh helps guide his clients through retirement by managing risk instead of chasing returns. He calls it a blueprint and you can get started at no cost or obligation. Give the team at Aptus Wealth a call today to schedule your consultation at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300 or online at aptuswealth.com. That's A-P-T-U-S wealth.com. 
to learn strategies to manage risk in the new economy. Join us again next weekend right here at 98.9 The Answer. Any comments regarding safe and secure investments and guaranteed income streams refer only to fixed insurance products. They do not refer in any way to securities or investment advisory products. Fixed insurance and annuity product guarantees are subject to the claims paying ability of the issuing company. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.